Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. We have just the privilege of Alan Scotland coming to bring the word. He made me promise to just mention him as a friend, and he is a friend, and I just fulfilled my promise. And I want to say just a couple things. Um, one of the, the blessings of being a part of this family of churches is having a leadership team, an apostolic team that loves and cares and serves us in such a tremendous way. And Alan brings leadership to that team. And I, I think what has been one of the greatest impressions in my own life coming under just his own leadership is his value of relationship, that he would be just as content to sit in the back and just worship and be with us this morning than to preach the word with us. And that is, a, that is an example, that is a, a kind of modeling that is meaningful to us as churches. That relationship is a priority, and to come alongside instead of over the top is rarely seen in the church today. And so, Alan, I just want to honor you and appreciate you for how you have led us in such a great way, as I really believe that's following Jesus. So, thank you. Let's welcome him this morning. What a glorious day. Hallelujah. Can I hear hallelujah back? Hallelujah. Lord, it's all down to you. Lord, it's all down to you. Can you say that? We praise you. Well, I want you to know that I've learned a lot of things from a dear man of God with us today, Chuck Powell's. A great brother in the Lord, and I want to thank you. For me, Chuck, uh, and he won't like this as much as I don't like being, being um, commended too much, uh, but uh, Chuck has always given his heart and soul and vi to the well-being of the community. Right from the first day I ever came here, that was the first thing I saw in Chuck and Vi. And so they are, to me, uh, an envisionment, if you like, an inspiration. And I think that you've got enough amongst you to celebrate the gifts of God that he's entrusted to you as a people. Well, we're at a crossroads, a very important crossroads. Not quite I'm talking about cross point, but we're about to change. We've got to make some decisions, take some priorities. And this is what today is all about. Some people don't like change. But already the signals are clear in our own body that we change. We look over the years and we see how we've changed. But change is not an enemy, I assure you. Change is a friend. And if we can embrace this change, we can advance and move forward on our great adventure. And I want to take just a few moments so that we focus in on the actual deed of commending Hope Church into its new day, which affects us all, that we all all benefit from that. And so that's the focal point, our charge to the church, our commissioning of the church, and its leadership. So I don't want to detract from that, 
But let me just take a moment to read to you the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles with you, would you turn, please, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Thank you. And I'm going to read, I think it's the New American Standard. I didn't really look at my Bible to see which one it was, but I better check it out for you. Oh, it's the NIV. Loved by some and hated by others. Yeah. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham, or Abram as it's written, said, Lord, could you not give me a few more details? Might help for me to weigh this thing up, this prophecy of yours. No, he didn't. He didn't have any details. He had the broad outline. Verse 4, so Abraham left the Lord as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years young. When he set out from Haran, he took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree Morak and Shechem, and at, ta- at that time the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so the story goes on, just to give you the context. But you just need to read a few verses before that chapter. So at the end of chapter 11, verse 31, Abraham's father, Terah, took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham. And together they set out from the air of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Haran, the crossroads, that's what that means. Fancy having a name called Haran, meaning the crossroads. But it's very important for us to understand that we are at a crossroads. And what God has got for us, both as individuals, as families, because that's what comprises of the wider community of church and churches, what God has for us in bringing us to this moment of change, God has blessing. And when you look at it, the first few verses of chapter 12, every word you stumble over is blessing, 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 blessing. I know my future for you, says the Lord. My thoughts towards you are to give you a future and a hope 
and a destiny. We're not left alone. The Lord is with us. We celebrate his goodness. We look back over the decades and say, Lord, you have proved to be faithful every step of the way in spite of us. In spite of our stupidity, in spite of our mistakes, you have never, ever failed us. And even when you've highlighted our shortcomings, you've never pointed the finger at us without providing us with the solution to resolve the problem. He's a great God. And he's with us every man, woman, and child. Let's give him an applause. Amen? Yes, I respond. Nesbitt wrote a book. I can't remember the title of the book, but there's one phrase he used, and it was this. Inside of the book. The future is embedded in the present. The future is embedded in the present. And here we have the story of one of the most famous fathers of all time, Abraham. And God comes to him when he's settled at the crossroads. And God disturbs him with a word of direction. And God says, Abraham, it's time to move on. It's time to make some decisions. It's time to break out of the quandary. It's time to be unlocked from the status quo. It's time to move forward in the blessing I've got for you. But it's crucial that you make the decision to move with me. And so the Lord speaks to him. The future is embedded in how you handle the present. Because if you are so mesmerized by the past, you never really appreciate the present. And if your eyes are always on the future, you forget that you're wasting the moments that are yours to enjoy. And so you can be in the illusion of the wonderful, glorious days of the past. And frankly, I'm young enough to tell you they were great days. And you can be mesmerized by that, or you can be possessed about the future, and you don't realize that the future is embedded in the present. How you handle now will determine whether you have to run to catch up with your future, or whether you shape it. And Abraham is being spoken to. The word of the Lord has come to him. And the word of the Lord is very clear that, Abraham, you better make the right choice because whatever choice you make right now, whether you choose to stay or choose to go or choose to move on or stand still, the impact will be felt across your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, your uncles. This is the family business. Now listen to me. One of the hallmarks of this group of churches is that we believe in relationship. And we believe in fatherhood, motherhood, brotherhood, sisterhood. We believe in the value of families, children. We invest a lot of our time in helping shape the children. Why? 
many of us came to know the Lord when we were knee-high to a grasshopper. And many of us learned the scriptures before we were in our teenagers. We know that the Lord is able to shape us right from our mother's womb, don't we? He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And so we know that whatever decisions we make in life will have a knock-on effect across the families. I've had people who have complained to me, the problem with this church, there's so many family members. Well, I think that's a credit, not a discredit. I think it's wonderful when you can have old and young together in the dance of the kingdom. I think it's a beautiful thing when you can have different kinds of music. You know, whether you want to rock it or whether you want to stand still, actually, I prefer, I won't tell you what I prefer. What I do know is this, God has given us the variety of ages of people from various backgrounds. God's in the family business and the nature of his authority is fatherhood. He cares about the family. Abraham, Abraham, we've got to move on from the crossroads. You've got to make choices. You can't be paralyzed by the past. Change is not an option. It's a necessity. It's an imperative. That's true in your life. That's true in my life. You wouldn't believe it if you look at the fashion industry, particularly cosmetics. I don't know how many miracle creams they keep inventing. While you don't even know the effect it's had on my wrinkles. I mean, look at me. I look 21, don't I? I can perpetuate my youth with the product that's on sale. Nobody wants to change. I remember talking to somebody one day, a well-known personality in this country, and he said, I hate being old. I'd rather be young. Actually, I enjoyed being young. And now I'm a little bit older. I'm enjoying being a little bit older because I get some things free that I never got before. (laughs) It's true. Sometimes you get respect because you look old. You might be stupid, but they wouldn't know. But we don't want to change. We try to hold back. We try to hold on. And God says, I have invented the idea of change for your good. And when we look at where we're at today, with the launch of the next church, you'd think we've done enough already, wouldn't you? You look back how God has moved us by speaking into us and we went forward and we established this church, then this church, then this church. Do you know what? It's only just the beginning. The future is embedded in the present. And what we're about to do today is only a statement of what we're going to do for the days to come. We believe in growth. We believe in expansion, but not at the cost of who we really are. We believe in relationship. The future is embedded in the present. Sometimes you are held back from moving forward in your own life because you will not make the decision to trust God for the next chapter. And as a group of churches, though I'm addressing the issue of the churches moving together, my concern is that we don't get stuck. 
Don't talk to me about what you did in the past as your celebration. How about the present? Don't talk to me how you prophesied when you were a young man, how you witnessed to that one. How about the present? Don't tell me what you've done in the years that have gone before. How about where you're at today? What are you doing with your life? And the voice of the Lord comes to Abraham, Abraham and says to Abraham, it's time to move on. Make some decisions. I thank God that he did not give us the details. Hello? If we had too many details, we wouldn't need God. If we had all the answers, we don't need the answer man. Correct? But we are forced to depend on God every step that we take because we cannot do without him. Whether it's in our youth, in our middle-aged, or whether it's in our old age, we need the Lord. Correct? And he will never fail us or we will never lose out. But what we can't afford to do is procrastinate and hold back from what God wants of us. The psalmist said our times are firmly in his hands. How many of you know that the Lord knows you better than you know yourself? The greatest challenge we face is our lack of understanding of the fact that God has given us seasons for a reason. And it's important that we understand the season that we're in. It's possible that when you get to middle age, whatever that is anymore, I don't know because it's hard to say. Because you can buy clothes now that fit all stages and ages of life. And they're all the same. You know what I mean? In the past, you know, when you got older, you didn't dress fancy. Now you can have the -the state-of-the-art designer clothes And it's as important to you as you're old as when you were younger. But there are stages and there are ages and there are seasons that we need to understand. If we are to get the best out of our pilgrimage, we need to train ourselves to understand the season of life that God has given us. I've lived long enough to know that some people, when they reach whatever is called midlife, they always tack on that other word, crisis. Midlife crisis. I've never had a midlife crisis. It's probably because I'm not in the middle of my life yet. I don't know. I've never had a midlife crisis, but I've seen so many people with a midlife crisis. They become more demonic than angelic. Or they try to be younger than they are, and it just looks so out of place. You must maximize the moment, for that is what God has entrusted to you. You must enjoy the moment Whatever the age, whatever the stage. Abraham, God requires of you an obedience of faith and you're 75 years of age. Hello? Some of you are moving with the church plant and you're not 21 anymore. Good. You've still got the energy in you to obey the Lord. Amen? And sometimes, yes... It's a wonderful statement. Sometimes, sometimes we hide behind the age barrier. Because I remember when God first called me, I said, Lord, I'm too young. 
I'm just a boy. And then I didn't know it had already been said before until I read Jeremiah 1 when God was speaking to Jeremiah the prophet to serve him. He struggled with the fact that he was too young and God knew it because God said to him, don't say that you are but a child. I'm going to speak into you and I'm going to speak through you and what I require of you is to give me your moment. The famous writer once said that life is like a candle entrusted to us for a moment. And what I want to do is I want to take hold of that candle and make sure that it shines brighter so that I can pass it on to another generation. Here's the Lord speaking to Abraham. Abraham, I require of you an exercise of faith And I don't want you to hide behind the age barrier. Sometimes God speaks to us and we say, God, I'm not educated enough. Or I haven't got much money. And we have reasons to justify why we are not responding in faith to what God wants of us. It's possibly the case if you to look at Living Word Church from its very beginnings, that it was never the right moment to release Cross Point. We didn't have all the money in the bank, and whatever resources we had, we needed. But when God spoke to us, we responded. Amen? Same with Mercy Hill. And now for Hope Church. We respond because the Lord says... The finger that points the way is part of the hand that will supply the need. And all I require of you is an obedience of faith. I don't know what the word retirement means. I I understand it's been explained many times over, but I don't want to be too old. Are you hearing me? I don't want to be too old to lack the energy to respond to the voice of God. The season means emphatically a fitting moment. And it's a fitting moment today that we launch Hope Church. Fitting moment. And you know what? We have enough challenges to make us lean on God for the provision for this obedience. But we have enough blessings to know that God is with us. And he will see us through And we will redeem this moment for the Lord. God intervenes. It's time to move on. And Abraham moves forward. And God says, I want you to know that you are going to be the blessing. Look at each other. Look at you. So different. All ages. God's going to bless you in your sphere of obedience. You're going to be a blessing. How many of you know that the blessing quenches every curse? Every fiery dart, every accusation cannot stick because God's favor is upon us. I remember one day somebody in a conference, uh, probably ten times the size of this, came forward for some ministry. The person didn't know the Lord and she was demon-possessed. And she looked at me, she hissed at me, and she cursed my life and said I would only live for one week. 
And I had to say to that lady, please don't say things like that because God has blessed me and God's blessing is greater than your cares. And if you bless, if you curse me, it'll bounce back on you. Please don't curse me because I'm covered in God's anointing and I'm blessed of God and every day I wake up I know that the Lord is with me and no weapon formed against me can prosper. So I spoke the word of the Lord to her. She got delivered of the evil spirits that were in her, but I want you to know this, you've nothing to fear. If you will follow through with the Lord, whatever the stage of your life, whatever the season you're going through, if we as churches will respond to the voice of the Lord, the Lord will be with us and we will not fail, and he will give us great favor. And even those who are our enemies will have to be careful about what they say to us or about us. And this is the word of the Lord to Abraham. As long as you follow the broad outline of my call, I'll take care of the details. And even those who want to sort of take care of you. I I love this uh, phrase. I want to just read it to you before I... Uh, Pull to a close. Let him who would enjoy a good future waste none of his present. Let him who would enjoy a good future waste none of his present. It's time to move on. It's time to make the decision to obey the Lord in any given obedience that he requires of us. It's time for us to get rid of the sentimentality of the past And not be distracted in the present so that we can live out our lives embracing the future. Hmm. A time to declutter your life. Sometimes we are so busy we can't hear God. Sometimes we've got so much going on that the only time God can speak to us is when we're asleep. And you have these wonderful dreams. And you think, wow, that's powerful. That's because God couldn't speak to you. You were too busy today. So while you're asleep, he awakened your soul. And he gave to you in your sleep. God's got an errand for every one of us. A message for every one of us. God requires a response for every one of us. And it doesn't matter what the age, what the stage, what the season. All he requires of us is an obedience of faith. I want us to stand together before the Lord. Would you do that? You know I go to China a lot. There's a a Chinese proverb that says this. It is not our feet that moves us along. It's our minds. Did you hear that? It's not our feet that moves us along. It's our minds. The word of the Lord comes to Abraham. What what God requires from him is the right frame of mind to move forward. Now, before we pray for the launch of the church, I want to pray for one another. And I want you to lift your face before the Lord. We can preach a thousand times. Let's just hold before God's presence. Lift your face before the Lord. Now, whatever the season of life you're in, I want you to, with a full heart, be able to say, Lord, speak into my mind. Just like you did to Samuel. 
I want you to know, Lord, here I am. I'm your servant. And I'm ready to obey you in any act of faith that you require of me. Would you lift your face, close your eyes, and just talk to the Lord a moment. Because I believe the Lord wants to do some wonderful things amongst us and through us in the days that lie ahead. Just talk to him as you stand. Lord, you know from the earliest time you awakened our soul. You have spoken into our lives. And in wonderful ways you have watched over us as we have responded in faith to your voice and to your command. Now, Lord, we stand before you on the threshold of a new season, a new day, a new chapter. And before we commission the church, we ask of you, Lord, that you will take hold of us, every one of us, men, women, and children, and make us susceptible to your voice and responsive to your commands. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.